and welcome to the Discography Divers podcast, the show where we pick a band, pick an artist, and we work through their discography and talk about their whole career in music. I'm here with Shannon McLean. Hello, I'm Shannon McLean. I'm here with uh, Nick Moffat. Yeah, yeah, we're here today um, as a married couple. You know, uh, I feel like we forgot to say that in the last episode, and we just want to get that out of the way right away because. In case uh, you're wondering. Well, we just want to make sure that there isn't any um, funny business going on. You know, with uh, with the show. Right. It's important to be aware uh, of what you're getting yourself into, and uh, I mean, I, this I'm, is this is where we work out our, our problems with each other. No, there's no problems. Just the concept of the show, right, is that we listen to a band's whole discography uh, by ourselves, and we rank the their discography by themselves, by ourselves. You know, we don't do it together. We each have our own opinion on the subject matter, and this is already a kind of a goofy episode because we're doing an artist who has uh, such a long career that we had to do uh, a specific period in their career, right? So just getting out of the way, we're doing Bob Dylan this episode and just the 60s years. Man, I had a whole thing. I had a whole thing in my head about how I was going to like introduce that concept. And it was like, going to be like kind of funny. And man, you're just jumping right into I'm it. I'm sorry. I, you don't well, be. I didn't mean this is fair enough. Just go ahead and do that. Okay. Do oh, I can't go back and do the funny. Well, you could. Yeah. Do you want to just try it? Uh, no. Okay. Well, that person that just spoke um, is is my dad, Frank Basiccio. <laughs> He's our guest on the show. That's another part of the funny business is that we, we have another like person in our family that's on this episode. So um, I'm I'm really excited to have my dad, uh, Frank, on the show. How Welcome, are you doing, Frank? Yeah. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, thank you. Um, are you excited to talk about Bob Dylan with us? Sure. Cool. cool. I'm excited to talk about Bob Dylan with you. I mean, like, you know, uh, you were, my whole life you've been listening to Bob Dylan. Uh, do you want to, like, I have I have some notes here about, like, a brief, the brief history of Dylan. You know, he was, uh, he was born Robert Zimmerman. He's, uh, you know, known as one of the greatest songwriters of all time, much celebrated in the 60s with uh, his work in the civil rights movement, anti-war movements. His lyrics uh, are often known for being political or social, uh, philosophical. Um, you know, he's he's a, a huge part of uh, music history. And you know, do you want to give a setup of your um, your history with Dylan at all? Uh, sure. Um, I don't know what year it was. Probably around nineteen sixty-six in which I went to a, um, a peace march. And uh, when, uh, at, in that era in New York City, all the various anti-war groups were rallying to go um, walking down uh, 8th Avenue into Central Park. And each group had its own street so, for example, the War Resisters League was on 98th Street, and the Fellowship of Reconciliation was on 95th Street, and, um, um, you know, the uh, whatever uh, groups, they were all on different streets. So, when I got to the uh, certain group that I was going to be with, which was at that point the, the War Resisters League, um, I, 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 
I went on the side street and blasting, blasting from people's, um, I don't remember if they were boom boxes or record players in that particular era, but blasting was um, uh, uh, Bob Dylan uh, albums, such as The Times They Are Changing. And that was one of my early uh, recollections of that, that the times they are changing, and that's blasting into New York City streets with hundreds of people in the street on, say, 99th Street, and, and each group would then start making right turns and, and start walking. Uh, but it was, extremely, it was extremely powerful at that point. And I think that's the point I, I, I want to make here also, is that, um, in my opinion, it's different from music in the in the twenty twenty two, in that music was extremely personal. Music was was so much part of who you are. It wasn't just something you listened to. Uh, you you never danced to to this kind of music. It was just part of who, your own fiber and your personality and who you are so that's my opinion yeah i mean i'm, I'm excited to get into it with you because uh you know he's been through a lot i mean during i mean i, I don't mean to correct or anything but like uh 66 might be just seems like a lot happened between 60 63 and 60 67 at least in terms of bob dylan's career where like uh, he was in in '63 and '64, and st- like times were changing. Came out in '64, and during that time, it was like, you know, he was right there with Joan Baez, leading the leading the civil rights movement and leaving leading the uh, anti-war movements, and really being all about protest songs, right, and folk music. And um, we were actually watching the uh, the Newport Folk Festival uh, DVD that we have that it's like it's like three years at the folk festival and uh and those each of those years like like the first year i think was 63 i think it was 63 i can't remember i'll fact check you i think it was 63 64 65 or maybe it was 64 65 66 but it was three years and um i remember the the first year it was like He's playing these folk songs and people are just sitting there and just staring at him and like being so intent on every word that he was saying. But, you know, by by the third year, that was when he came out and played electric and people were so upset about um, him playing electric for the first time and felt betrayed by um, his, um, you know, him moving away from folk music. But um you know, for me personally, I mean, I love that part of his of his career and how he was able to to change and kind of bring in more elements of rock and stuff. Yeah, I mean, this kind of gets this kind of we're kind of going all over the place already, but like this that story is so funny to me, like um, about going electric and people people being upset or thrilled. Um, but just like the set list of what he's play of what he played was is like a story in itself, like. Um, at that at that one i mean we can talk about it later we can talk about it now i don't know yeah i mean we, we can, can back to it yeah why don't we come back to it we can jump right into our list unless uh unless you want to build off of that dad at all no that's cool how did you feel when dylan went electric well i thought i was there 
and I didn't think it was at the folk festival. I thought it was in Chicago at a uh, convention, at Prevention Hall. Um, so, uh, but I was at Newport Folk Festival. I don't remember what year it was. I think it was 65. I, I, I just don't remember. Maybe it was 66 or 67. So I don't, <laughs> I don't, remember, I don't remember anything about it. I don't even remember getting there. I just remember going with this woman I was hanging out with at the time, and we went there. I don't know how we even got there. And it was uh, because I had gone up to Boston, and then from Boston we were going to, uh, to Newport, Rhode Island. Um, in any case, so again, your memories get cloudy over after a while. Yeah, I mean, that, that tour that he had, I mean, it's very possible you saw him, I mean, at that folk festival, right? 65. I mean, yeah, so 65 that's was the, when he went electric? That's the year, I think. I'm looking into it. Um, I mean... Yeah, because he did the workshop the first day of acoustic songs, and then he did his electric set. played electric set, right after. Like half, half electric set. Um, and then he... Uh, and then he went out, and that tour he was was very controversial for fans too. Like there was a tour where he was playing electric, and people were were really upset and stuff. Anyway, I feel like we're kind of getting lost in the weeds here, so I feel like we should just uh, you know jump back into the. Uh, I feel like we should just jump right into our rankings. So Dylan had nine albums that came out in the nineteen sixties, which you know is enough for us to do like. I mean, obviously, we're doing a whole episode on just the sixties, but like. You know, I think he's got something like 35 studio albums total or something. I think he's got 39 studio albums. Okay. So, um, clearly we're not going to do, we don't have the manpower to do all 39, but I'm, I'm really excited to dig into these, these nine because, um, I mean, dang, they're, they're, uh, they're a good nine. It's a good nine. It's a great nine. And I mean, I said multiple times during this, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this ranking. I'm still not quite sure. <laughs> Yeah. I changed mine like a couple hours ago. Yeah. Like kind of significantly. Yeah. So uh, anyway, let's let's jump into it. Uh, so Shannon's gonna go first. Um, by the, uh, I mean, you kind of already described the concept of the show. Do we have any other rules to go over before we? Um, yeah. I mean, Shannon, do you you usually the one that I'm sorry if I, I know, took but that away from you. But... No, it's fine. You did you did it so seamlessly. Well, we have our punt phrase that we usually do. So we, we don't talk about an album until it's the highest on our list. And we took the punt concept from the top 10 show with Matt Nost and John Roca. And uh, instead of saying punt to indicate that you have it higher up on your list, we do a specific phrase or word for each artist. So in this case, uh, Shannon, what did you come up with? It ain't me, babe. So if someone has an album higher on their list, you say, it ain't me, babe, and then we'll talk about it when it is the highest. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, uh, Shan, what is your number nine? Okay, here we go. My number nine is uh, Bob Dylan. Self-titled Bob Dylan? Self-titled. Okay, that is also my number nine. That is also my number nine. Okay, cool. Oh, off well, to a good start. Great, let's talk about it. <laughs> that um, very rarely happens. Yeah, the first one. I mean, sometimes. Oh, that's I, true. It's like, like kind of the clear outlier. Is, yeah, but okay. So let's before we get into the album, let's. I'm just gonna set the table for it. Uh, the self-titled Bob Dylan album came out in 1962. It was released on Columbia Records. The producer was John H. Hammond, who was uh, his longtime producer. 
The genres, according to Wikipedia, are folk, country blues, and protest music. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's some funny... I found some little funny tidbits about this album. Hammond joked that Columbia spent about $402 to record this album. It was recorded in two days. It was recorded in two days. That's funny. Um, Apparently, neither critics nor the public took much notice of Dylan during this self-titled period, and uh, only 5,000 copies were sold in its first year, but that was enough to break even on it. However, Columbia still was, like, considering drop, dropping Dylan, and apparently there was, like, a joke of, like, they called him uh, Hammond's Folly, and as, like, this guy's not really going to work out. Um, another thing about this album was that um, there, were only, there were only two original songs on this album. Uh, the rest were old folk standards. So those originals were Talking New York and Song for Woody. Um, with a re- that Song for Woody being a reference to, to Woody Guthrie. So, um, Shen, what's your take on Bob Dylan self-titled? You had a number nine. Um, I mean, I honestly, I, I honestly don't know if I'd ever listened to it before. And it was quite surprising how funny his voice was. Like, it was like... He was goofing around. He yeah. seemed like he was having a good old time. Yeah. Apparently Which he made was... me have a good time. <laughs> yeah. Apparently he was pretty hard to record. Like he was, you know, his, his voice is like such, I mean, even even throughout his whole career, his voice is very unique. And apparently in 1962, it was hard to really, you know, lock down his, uh, the goofiness of his voice. Yeah, I don't know, but I was I was like pleasantly surprised with like how good it is. He's so adorable on that on the cover. Yeah, Dad's he's sitting like, here he's right a now. Child. With, yeah, I he's, think this is one of the five hundred and two uh, albums <laughs> that, they, uh, that they came out with. Dad's sitting here with the with the vinyl uh, in his hand, and yeah, Dylan just looks so young and sweet on this yeah, cover. He's, he's like twenty. I mean, I don't even think he's twenty one in that picture. Yeah. Um, so that's that. I don't know. It's a good album. Yeah, I always think about uh, Inside Lewin Davis with this, especially with this period. You know that movie with that by the Coen Brothers, where it's uh, Oscar Isaac and he's just kind of dinking around uh, Grange Village, and um, it's like before the folk scene kind of blew up with with Dylan and stuff, and people were just playing in coffee shops and everything, and um, it's like I feel like he could just like at this period in Dylan's career, he could have just been. He was just anybody. He was just anybody. But, you know, the talent was there. Like, I don't know, I listen to this, and I'm like, yep, the talent's, the talent's clearly there. You know, with Talking New York is a great song. Uh, song for Woody is really good, too. And then some of these other, like, um, some of these other, you know, standards are, are also really fun. Yeah, I mean, Talking New York is, like, just that movie. Totally. <laughs> it's like, I'm going down to the coffee shop. <laughs> yeah. Grandwich Village. Yeah. Yeah. So again, getting back to my original concept of that this is personal, um, this is personal, and um, uh, again when he did the talking Woody um, uh, song, uh, that was based on his visit to Woody at the state hospital in New Jersey, a place called Greystone. State Hospital, where I have visited many, many times, and where my biological uncle was at the same time there in February 1961. And so we would make family trips 
me and my brother and my folks to, to Greystone Park to visit my uncle. We might have even seen Woody there, who at that point had um, Huntington's uh, chorea, Huntington's disease. And uh, like, like, we, like Nick said, he was, he was dying. But um, so this, this is personal to me, this, this, uh, this song. And, uh, uh, but it's still my number nine. I mean, it's it's. There's really no bad albums in this. They're all good, they're all definitely, great. and I just feel like it's so clearly the number nine because of how raw it amateur is. Amateur album, right? Yeah, it just like <laughs> it just feels like the talent is there, but you know, he he's just not. It hasn't come together yet. So, um, yeah, I feel like I feel like we can keep moving on, but that that's a great uh, story about uh, song for Woody. So let's keep going. So, Shan, what would be your number eight then? All right. So uh, every episode there's like a clear line, you know, where it's like, okay, that one was clearly, I feel confident about that. And from here on out, I'm just kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of feeling bad about the rankings, you know, like I'm not, I'm not trying to diss any of these albums. But anyway, my number eight is uh, John Wesley Harding. Okay. It ain't me, babe. I have that one higher. Very cool. So, so my number eight was another side of Bob Dylan. Okay, that's also my number eight. Well, guys, that's my number seven. Okay, so we can talk about so we can talk about it now then. So I'm gonna set the table for another side of Bob Dylan really quick. Uh, that was Dylan's fourth album. Came out in 1964. It was released in Columbia again. The producer was Tom Wilson. The genre was folk. Um, so this album was known for deviating from some of the more socially conscious lyrics that um, Dylan had been doing in his previous albums, like the times era changing. Um, he was kind of moving away from folk music, I guess, um, at this time. I mean, this is totally a folk album, but he was kind of, uh, his interests were kind of expanding further than protest music. Um, this was recorded around the same time that he had a public falling out with, um, like there was this, um, he got this award, the Tom Paine award. And then he, he got really drunk at the, the reception and, um, kind of like kind of lashed out at the people that were giving them this award. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, um, and then he played the Newport folk festival back in 60 at, at 64 that year. This was the year before he won electric and, um, there were um he you know these songs that he played um the crowd loved them but the critics were more um the critics were more i guess critical um of his direction saying that like i have a quote here uh your new songs seem to be all inner directed now inner probing self-conscious um that some of the paraphernalia of fame was getting in your way which i thought was interesting um coming from you know how how i think that was all just kind of a sign of how impactful uh his career had been up to this point but then also he was kind of making a choice to write more personal songs mm -hmm. um there's some great songs in here though um it ain't me babe yeah <laughs> so, so yeah it ain't me babe is on this album so dad what's your what's your take on another side of bob dylan well um can you name some more songs that are on that one? 
Yeah, this one has. Um, all I really it opens with all I really want to do. All I really want to do. do. All I really want to do. Yeah. So he's got a lot of using his harmonica in there, I think. Yeah. And um, he's still using his uh, his folk guitar. Um, this one has uh, "Chimes for Freedom" on it, which is a great song. Critics kind of viewed this as a transitional album, where he had, he was kind of like at a crossroads in his career. Yeah, that feels right. (laughs) There's not like a whole lot to like really deeply connect to. Yeah, I mean, one thing I like I liked about it that I didn't know was the song "Motor Psycho Nightmare" was based on the movie Psycho, which I thought was funny. That is funny. I didn't know that. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. I don't know. This album just kind of exists for all three of us, it uh, sounds yeah. like. Not a strong take on it. Right, which is why it's number eight. Yeah. Like there's some great songs on it, but it's also just kinda it's alright. Which is still better than most. Yeah. Right, well, I mean we can just keep going. Um what is so Shannon that was your number seven so dad what is your number seven my number seven um so I think I did these rankings based on how many times I listened to the album so some of these albums I can repeat almost every word of every song yeah okay but when I get up to these some of these albums, like num- my number seven is Blonde on Blonde. Oh, wow. Okay. It ain't and me, babe. It ain't me, babe. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll talk about Blonde on Blonde, uh, I guess, when we get to it. Um, I have a quite a bit higher. Okay, so that was Dad's number seven. My number seven, um, again, I think this one's kind of controversial. It's definitely a punt. Uh, the times they are changing. It ain't me, babe. It ain't me, babe. Okay. So, Shannon, what is your number six? All right. Okay. Okay, my number six is. I gotta make sure I have this right. Nashville Skyline. It ain't me, babe. Um, my no, my number six is uh, John Wesley Harding. Okay, that's also my number six. Who was a friend to the poor? Yeah, he was. He traveled with a gun in every hand. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so we can talk about that since uh, Shannon had that a little bit lower. Uh, John Wesley Harding came out in 1967. It was on Columbia Records. Uh, Bob Johnson was the producer. The genres, according to Wikipedia, were folk rock and country rock. Um, just, just I, on, on some of these, I have uh, other albums of says genre during that time period. And just in 1967, uh, surrealistic pillow by jefferson airplane came out alice's restaurant by earl guthrie also came out that year mellow yellow donovan songs of laren cohen came out album 1700 by Peter paul and mary also came out that year so um the singles uh that were on this album were drifters escape john wesley harding all along the watchtower and i'll be your baby tonight so the the background of this album was like i said this album came out in 67 uh in July of 66, Dylan had his infamous motorcycle crash. 
near his home in Woodstock, New York. And, you know, he broke several vertebrae. Um, there's a lot of mystery uh, circling around the circumstances of the accident because no ambulance was called. Some people question whether he actually did get into a motorcycle accident. Uh, there's a lot going on. And straight up, I, I heard an ad like on a podcast I was listening to. There was an ad for another podcast about like, maybe like a like maybe dylan didn't die or maybe he did die and he got like replaced but i didn't listen to that podcast i don't know what it's called i wish i could plug it sounds like a crazy but i mean it's i was kind of like well maybe i should listen i've I've never heard that about dylan i mean i knew like there's the paul is dead theory about paul mccartney but (laughs) i never heard the dylan was replaced theory that's why i know um okay but I mean, anyway, like, <laughs> during that's, that... I mean, that's honestly why it's so low on my list because of the controversy. Just kidding. Well, regardless of like, you know, whether or not he died or anything, the whole point of me telling you this is that like, it was Dylan Wine after the motorcycle accident, he really took a step back from the public view. Up to that point, he had been touring massively. He'd been in front of the crowds. Everyone knew who he was. And at this point, he, he got married to Sarah Lowland, right? right around this time period and then he got into his motorcycle crash and then he kind of disappeared for a while he kind of went out into the woods or whatever and uh in his autobiography he said i had been in a motorcycle accident and i've been hurt but i recovered truth was i wanted to get out of the rat race so he really just kind of wanted to get out of there and it sounds like a fake motorcycle accident the more we talk about it i mean i there's probably books written on the motorcycle accident there's whole podcasts about it i'm sure <laughs> so um Anyway, this album, though, doesn't take a step in a different direction, considering um, his last few albums were, like, total rock and roll albums. This one was semi-acoustic, um, kind of kind of taking a step back towards folk-inspired songwriting, and um, kind of, um, you know, there was still a sort of surrealism to his lyrics as well. So, anyway, um, I like this album quite a bit, um, even though I had number six. Um, I like this album a bit, and it was at number eight for me. I, it's a good album. Um, I I really like how simple it is. You know, I uh, I, I love the uh, song um, "Dear Landlord," uh, which you recently printed out, and put up on your on your office wall. In Shannon. My office. I work with a lot of landlords. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just it feels like this album kind of was going back to you know after years of not really talking about social stuff. He kind of was going back and talking about social stuff again and talking about, you know, I don't know about, pro- I don't know about protesting exactly, but I feel like it was talking about um, things that were going on in the world rather than um, what were going on inside Dylan's brain. Yeah. I mean, I pity the poor immigrant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's what's your take on the sound, Dad? Well, um one of my two of my favorite songs are on this album uh one of them is i dreamed i saw saint augustine and that um uh that song was was one time stuck in my head like for a couple months i dreamed i saw saint augustine um i never did but uh i really liked that song same thing with i'll be your baby tonight that's uh a very very sweet love song and um, and Dylan is is good at that uh, I think Dylan's love songs are kind of underrated like he he writes really really special love songs 
I mean, again, he just has, he's one of the best poets of all time, in my opinion. And the way he words certain love things just are really special and unique. Yeah. And I, I agree. I, I love that song, uh, I'll Be Your Baby Tonight. And isn't that the last track? Yes, it's the last song on side two uh, on, on this album. So, yeah, I, I like the, um, the band in here with uh, Charlie McCoy and Pete Drake. Those, those guys do a really good job on this album. I used to think that that was them on the front, but it's not. Yeah, those are, I, don't, yeah, I don't know who that is on the front. Oh, but one, allegedly. We... Yeah, one funny thing about this cover that we were discussing a couple weeks ago was supposedly uh, some people think that the Beatles are hidden on the tree on this cover. Yeah, you gotta like up here. Yeah, but like you gotta flip it back over. Uh, and you, no, no, he had the wrong. He, you have to flip you the have album to flip over. It. Yeah, and then you and already then know about this. Deep yeah, he told me. Oh, yeah, okay. we, we, were, we were looking. He didn't see him, but then my mom saw him. So, um, I don't know. They, apparently, the guy who took the picture, did the cover, he acknowledged their presence, but was reluctant to talk about it. So, that that's the quote I found. Huh. Um, I don't know. T check out the cover of um, John Wesley Harding and see if you can find the Beatles on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, we should just tally the times we're going to say shrouded in mystery <laughs> during this episode. Um, another thing, I do think we need to mention that uh, Jimi Hendrix covered All Along the Watchtower and made that song into something totally unique. Like, I think for most people, you think of All Along the Watchtower, you think of Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, Dylan's got a couple of those songs, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Dylan's kind of famous for That's other people thing. covering his yeah. songs, but... Uh, I feel like that Jimmy one is is one of the one of the top ones. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I've seen footage of Dylan playing along all along the Watchtower in the style of Jimi Hendrix. Oh, that's cool. I don't know for that for sure, but I just I, I feel like I've it. seen that. Anyway, uh, good album, uh, solid pick. So that was my number six. It was Dad's number six. Um, I guess we're going to fives then. Okay. So my number five is the times they are changing. It ain't me, babe. Cool. So we're punting that one, Dad. What is your number five? My number five is Nashville Skyline. Okay, that's also my number five. Our lists are pretty similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know. You two especially. I mean, you got the influence. Yeah, you know, I guess, yeah. Direct influence. You're like, I don't know. For some reason, I just know this one really well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah Nashville Skyline was my number six. So. Okay, so we can talk about it. So uh, Nashville Skyline, setting the table for it, was his ninth album. It was uh, his last one that came out in the 60s. This one came out in 1969. Again, Columbia put it out. The genres, according to Wikipedia, are country rock and country just want to say a few of the other country albums that came out during around this time at San Quentin, the live album by Johnny Cash came out. Um, Merle Haggard, Neil Young, Dolly Parton, Creedence Clearwater also put out albums this year. Um, and the singles for National Skyline are I Threw It All Away, Drifters Escape, Lay Lady Lay, Peggy Day, Tonight I'll Be Staying Here With You, and Country Pie. Um, I think it should also be noted that Johnny Cash uh, appears 
a couple times on this album. Uh, the, the opening track is Girl from the North Country, which uh, Johnny Cash sings with Dylan on. And this song was originally released on the Free Will and Bob Dylan um, from earlier in his career, which we'll circle back to. But, is, is Johnny Cash on any other songs? You said a couple times. Just that song, right? Oh, just that song. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I may be just mistaken because well, I know... Well, he also did the, he? Uh, the back of the album. The uh, He wrote this. Oh, Johnny Cash wrote the liner notes. Yeah. Oh, cool. So Solid. Yeah, this is This very... is a great album. It's very different. You know what really got me? And I moved it. I moved it up in my list, actually. It was, it was quite a bit lower and only not not because it's a bad album it's 26 minutes long and i was like i don't know if i can <laughs> i don't know if i feel good about putting that above like a, a real full length i feel like dylan has some songs that are 26 minutes long <laughs> maybe not during his 60s era but like I feel like on his re- I most mean, recent Desolation album. Rose like 11 minutes Right, long. right, right. <laughs> so it just feels really weird that it's such a short album but it's really fun. Yeah, i mean you turn on it's just a great listen, right? I mean, it opens up with Girl from the North Country, which is one of my favorite Dylan songs. And this version with um, Johnny Cash is very fun. And it's like, they're clearly just like recording it on the fly. And they're like kind of flubbing the lyrics. And it's just like very, it's very like authentic and wholesome. Yeah. And just the two of them working together is cool. Yeah. I mean, I, again, going back to that Newport Folk Festival uh, DVD that I have, uh, Johnny Cash is on it covering It Ain't Me, Babe. Um, oh, which he, is great. Yeah, and he's he's talking, He before he plays the song, he's talking about how Bob Dylan's one of the greatest songwriters that I've ever heard and doing what I can while I'm touring the country to tell people about the greatness of Bob Dylan. And then he plays uh, It Ain't Me, Babe, which is awesome. Um, I don't know. I feel like this album is like for a certain kind of person, you know, maybe like a more... Person, yeah, I mean, someone who's more into country rock is this is might just totally be their jam. I had multiple people actually, uh, friends of the show, message message us uh, on Instagram saying that this was their favorite Dylan album. To which, like, I'm like, I mean, have you, crazy. Heard, have you heard? Have uh, you heard? Bring it all back home. Have you heard uh, Blonde on Blonde? You know, but you know, um, no, no, it's, it's a, not crazy. It's a it's great a, album. It's it, like it's just something you could turn on and just enjoy yourself with. I yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not so familiar with the, his the next couple albums in his discography after this because this was like the last album in his uh, '60s years that we're covering. So yes. I, I'm, I, I. I'd be interested to see kind of where his career goes from there. Yeah, well, again, this also has some really good love songs. Uh, Tonight I'll be staying here with you. And, you know, we've said Girl from the North Country. Um, I threw it all away. Uh, and I feel that Lay Lady Lay is, uh, uh, you hear that a lot. At least uh, somehow it pops on my my uh, radar all the time and I I think it's overplayed um, but it was a big deal when this album came out that it was uh, uh, it was sort of publicized as country you know being done in Nashville and have a Nashville skyline right there on on, on the on the cover um, so uh, it's almost like he's gotten away from quote folk and into country. 
you look at this cover too he looks so happy right yeah i feel like you know you look at some of these other covers or you know i think about the like oh the times they are changing he like aged like 20 years yeah i mean the times are changing came out like six years earlier and he looks like an old man but also like also like on uh I don't know, I think about the Subterranean Homesick Blues music video where he's just, like, scowling, you know? I just feel like there was so much turmoil in some of these albums that we're going to talk about. And this one, I don't know, he, he looks happy. Yeah, he does. He's smiling nicely. Just tipping his hat. Yeah, tipping his hat. And it's it's not an electric guitar there, either. Right, right. He's He's gone back to, um, gone back to the acoustic style. Yeah, no, I, I really like this album. I feel like it's it's definitely grown on me over the years. I just, you know, don't know how to compare it to some of these other classics that, that we're going to get to. Oh, I mean, I feel like it landed pretty nicely on all of our lists. Yeah. Kind of in the middle there. Yeah, I mean, I have it number five. That's cool. Yeah. So, yeah, we keep going, keep rocking this out. So that was my number five and dad's number five. Shan, what was your number four? Whoa, already. Uh, okay, my number four. And this is where the list gets real tricky for me. I this shuffled is, these around quite a bit. This is the point of the list where I was like, this is impossible. For me, yeah. the top four, I was like, I don't know how I'm ever going to... going to. I say this every episode. I'm feeling it pretty good about change. it now, but like... But yeah. what I'm about to say okay. <laughs> is that my number four is bringing it all back home. Okay, uh, it ain't me, babe. Cool. My number four is uh, is Highway 61. Okay. It ain't me, babe. <laughs> me and Dad are just totally in sync. Highway 61 is also my number four. Well, guess what? It ain't me, babe. <laughs> okay, so we'll get we'll circle back to Highway 61. Shan, uh, what is your number three? All right, <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> my number three is Blonde on Blonde, baby. <laughs> okay, number. Th- that's also my number three. Okay. So we let's can, talk about We can about talk it. about Blonde 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 because Ted had it way lower. I was it believe, like eight or something? I can't believe you had Blonde yeah. Blonde that low. That is crazy to me. But we can talk about Blonde Blonde now. So Blonde on Blonde was Dylan's seventh album. Came out in 1966. Uh, Bob Johnson was the producer. The genre, according to Wikipedia, was folk rock. Uh, some other albums that came out around this time were Aftermath by the Rolling Stones, Revolver by the Beatles, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys, The Psychedelic... Oh, what a sa- good year. I know, crazy, right? The Psychedelic Sounds of the 13th Floor Elevators, one of my favorites. Uh, Sounds of Silence by Simon and Garfunkel. Um, yeah, just crazy, crazy time for music. Um, some of the singles off this album, One of Us Must Know, uh, Rainy Day Women, number 12 and 36, Pledge You My Time, I Want You, Just Like a Woman, Ob- Obviously Five Believers, Leopard Skin Pillbox Hat, Most Likely You'll Go Your Way, and I'll Go Mine. So, yeah. Um, this was, like, deep in Dylan's, like, electric uh, rock and roll phase. You know, this was, like... I'd say this is, like, beyond the rock and roll phase, because he's very bluesy. Yeah. It's yeah. like really leaned into the blues. Blues rock too, you blues know. Blues rock. Yeah. I'm surprised Wikipedia didn't say that as one of the genres, but 
we should start submitting edits. Uh, I guess I can go in there and edit it. This is not like one of my. Oh, I'm sorry. You're still setting. No, that no, 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 no. This good. is I'm, not I'm, like one of my Dylan albums that like I like was very connected with before this project. I was like, I was like, I know people really like this one, and I don't know. I'm not. I'm not so so connected with it. But like, it's to me, it's like undeniable. There's so many. There's so many good songs on it. It's like a, it's a double album. Isn't it like one of the first double albums? Did I make that up? I, it's quite I possible I made that fact up. But I'm gonna lean into it. Well, it's for Dylan's first and possibly only. But it feels like a double album that like doesn't really need any cuts. You know, like sometimes a double album, I'm like, okay, it's a little long. Like this one, truly, it's like no, we needed it. Um, well, Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands is. A full side. Right, that's the whole fourth side on that one. <laughs> that's cool. That's a great song. Um, and although I still don't feel like... I feel really deeply connected to, like, I Want You. But otherwise, I just think they're, like, such good songs. I guess that's where it landed on mine. Is like, it's not one that I feel, like, super emotionally connected to. That's a really great album. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I love "I Want You." That's one of my favorite Dylan songs. Just the, how excited that song is. I always think about that scene from "I'm Not There," the Dylan biopic. You know when uh, he it's Heath Ledger's Dylan and they they hook up. Um, Charlotte Gainsbourg. Yeah, he hooks up with Charlotte Gainsbourg, and that song comes on, and they like rush back up to their her apartment, start making out. I just I love that song so much. It's such a great so upbeat and and fun um yeah no i i wanted this to be my number one like i, I really, thought it was i honestly thought that's what you were gonna i really like i i love this album so much um i don't love every song on it and that's partly why it's probably ended up in my number three but my take on this song is that this is dylan's best musically during this time period it's really good i think that every song is complicated and firing on all cylinders and there's so much noise and it all comes together in a really powerful way i think that he's got I, the organ yeah he's really he's really on the organ yeah and <laughs> i mean like like um uh stuck inside a mobile with the memphis blues again where the harmonic rips in the beginning and then just Oh, the rag man tries circles all around the clock. And then like the song just like spirals into this like madness of confusion and existentialism. I just like, I just love how, how ridiculous and crazy musically that song it's is. It's kind of a dancey album. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I feel like the lyrics aren't as emotional and as um, poignant as, um, Previous, previously, but I also think the lyrics are complicated and poetic in their own special way. Um, I love, I love that you got all the vinyls over here, Frank. This is very fun. I know that podcasting is not a visual medium, but um, I'm enjoying looking at all these <laughs> I mean, he, <laughs> over your yeah. shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, again, this came out in 1966. And as I, um, as I said in my opening statement, uh, all this stuff is very personal. Uh, 1966 was uh, a year of being down and being depressed in my own life. I was a, um, 
uh, sophomore in college and I was lost. And uh, so, um, and I sort of, and again, Dylan's face on here is like, was he angry? Is he, uh, you know, confused? Well, it's also out of focus. Yeah. Like it's a blurry picture. Yeah. Maybe it was supposed to be. Yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, I've, I've, the only song I, 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 uh, know on this one that I've listened to a hundred times is Visions of Johanna. Mm. And, uh, which is probably one of my top five all time Dylan songs. But the rest of this with the music, uh, I like Rainy Day Women. Um, but I really had a hard time saying, wow, this, this real, I relate to this. I could not relate to this album at that particular point in, in time. Um, so uh, that's why I rated this uh, very low. Uh, again, being personal about it. And that's that's totally fair. That's and that's kind of what I was saying about his lyrics on this one. Is I feel like the lyrics aren't aren't as personal. Um, I mean, he's. It feels like in this one, he's. I think the lyrics are very strong, but it's not like they're um, necessarily directed at anything too specific. Like they're they're not anti-war lyrics. They're not protest lyrics anymore, and. They're also not really as many like love songs or anything like that. Mm. Um, but again, I just I took... yeah, it's kind of more abstraction. Yeah, more, more abstract poetry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This one is very abstract, and um, I mean, I think that's partly what I like about it. Um, but yeah, I I get having it a little bit lower, but yeah, it's. I don't know. I just I turn this one on with headphones, and I'm just like the noise in this album is just so wild to me. Yeah, that was one of my first notes on it. Was just like it's a very well produced album. Like it's it's a piece of art for sure. Yeah. I mean that first song, "Rainy Day Women," you know, is is like it's one of those circus songs. I feel like every band has at least one circus rock song. And uh, that's like that's like circus rock to me. <laughs> I've never heard this term, circus rock. <laughs> like it's I don't know. It's that's me as circus rock. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, great album. Uh, I guess we can keep rolling on it. Um, yeah, so that was uh, my number three, and Shannon's yeah, my number, number three. three so, so, Dad, what is your was... number three? My number three is um, my number three is bringing it all back home. It ain't me, babe. Wow, that was my number four. So okay, cool. Wow. All right, then we're on to my number two. Yeah. Yeah. See. Th- so we're not gonna talk about this. No, cause Nick, Nick, we haven't gone to it yet. Nick, yeah. it ain't me, babed it. Yeah. Okay, got it. So my number two then, and my number two is Free Will and Bob Dylan. That's also my number two. We're on number two. Yep. My number yeah, two. My number yeah. two 
What's your book? My number two is Freewheel and Bob Dylan. Yeah, so is mine. Oh, cool. Okay, cool. And so I don't have it because it's hanging on the wall. Oh, oh you cool. Have it, you have it framed on the wall? Yeah, I have it framed on the wall. Oh, nice. Okay. So, uh, number two, uh, send the table for uh, our number twos. We all have the same number two. That's wild. So, uh, The Freewheel and Bob Dylan came out in 1963. It was produced by John Hammond and Tom Wilson. The genres are folk and blues. The singles, Blown in, all, Blown in the Wind, Don't Think Twice, It's All Right, were the only two singles, apparently. And, um, yeah, I mean, this song, this album was his second album. So, again, we're going from his number nine, or, like, our collectively, we had that number nine, his self-titled album. And this one, his, his follow-up to that, his sophomore album, um is one of the greatest albums of all time like this easily could have been my number one i'm i'm kind of surprised it, i thought it was going to be my number one i thought it might be my number two I, that i'm surprised it wasn't your number one um but you know again with his first album he had two songs that were originals and this one 11 of the 13 are originals um you know this album featured several songs that um Became classics in the 1960s folk scene. Uh, Girl from the North Country, Masters of War, A Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, Don't Think Twice It's Alright. And, um, you know, Don't Think Twice It's Alright, especially, uh, or I'm sorry, Hard Rain's Gonna Fall, especially, was like kind of written as a response to uh, nuclear warfare and, um, you know, the fear of, of, of all of that. Yeah, 19... 19- 63 was the year John John Kennedy was killed and it was the year after the Cuban Missile Crisis where everyone felt that there was going to be nuclear war um, you know we talk about nuclear war these days but at that point in time it was much more it almost felt as much more likely than it is now even though we probably have 50 times more nuclear weapons than we had in the 60s. Um, uh, but th- this, you know, Blowing in the Wind was, was also became the, uh, the civil rights uh, sort of theme song. And uh, it was recorded by many other people, um, like Pete Seeger, and Pure Paul and Mary, I know, uh, yes. did a famous cover of it. I've seen a lot of footage of him playing that song with Joan Baez. Yeah, and that's probably when they were going out together during that time period. Actually, on that Newport Folk Festival DVD, uh, they play that song together, but then like like 15 other folk singers come onto the stage and they're all singing it together. Oh, that's cool. It's like a big, like, epic moment. Um yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a. That's a great song that I. You know, we had written down like our earliest memories of Dylan. That was one of my earliest memories is listening to "Blown in the Wind" with you. Yeah, well, that's cool. This is. This was like. This was. Uh, the first Dylan album I like really really fell in love with. Well, you know, we uh, me and Shan recreated this uh, album cover for our save the date for our wedding. Uh, classic album cover yes. freewheel and nick and shannon yeah and then we were too freewheeling and got pregnant and <laughs> had, to, had to change the 
had to change the save the date a bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had to take back that date, I guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, some of these songs that we're talking about here, like uh, Masters of War. Masters of War <gasps> is a uh, is such an angry um, yet important song. You know, even even nowadays, uh, it's uh, the, the lyrics in there are, are they they talk to me. They talk to me all the time when I turn on the news. For sure. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the protest music feels still like so relevant. Yeah. I mean, ugh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, it's Master of War especially is so relevant. I mean, you think about these like rich people that are profiting off of war, and the war the military industrial complex that is in the united states and how like you know you just can't i just want to read some of these lyrics at the end like let me ask you one question is your money that good will it buy your forgiveness do you think that it could i think you'll find when your death toll when you when your death takes its toll all the money you made will never buy back your soul just yeah. Followed by, and I hope that you die. <laughs> I know, totally. Yeah. He's so angry in the song. Yeah, this song's really... Uh, and your intense. death will come soon. Will it carry forgiveness? Do you think that it could? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I'll, I'll watch while you're lowered yeah. down to your deathbed, and I'll stand over your grave until I know sure that you'll be you're dead. dead. Right, that I, line about Jesus is so strong, too. Like Even uh, Jesus would never forgive what you do. I oh, definitely man. remember being in college and like, putting on headphones and listening to this and being like I just remember having a moment being like oh my gosh somebody wrote this song like this is so like powerful and like and also this is like a kid you know he's like 22 or something like second album I am always just like shocked that this is his second album but all all the death and destruction that that Putin is you know from what you hear on the news is currently causing don't you see Putin as a master of war? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, um, I, I just want to bring up a couple of these songs just because they're so good. Um, again, you mentioned Girl from the North Country. Uh, that's one of his sweetest songs. That's just, the again. song I used. I sang to Lane when I was pregnant with her and I didn't know it was going to be Lane yet. And I would sing that to her in my womb, and it's still like a song she asks me to sing sometimes for a lullaby. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Like that song uh, will come on. One time I tried singing to her as a lullaby, and she stopped me, and she goes, "No, Mama sings me that song." <laughs> it's it's my song for her. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, a couple of these other ones. Um, um, Bob Dylan's. Uh, dream yeah is to me one of his most emotional songs because he taps into something that i think is just um that it's a song about uh riding on a bus and thinking about your friends that you used to have and how you used to sit in a room and not really care about anything except just hanging out and um how that time is passing and you can't really get that time back and um you know that's to me is like growing up and growing up kind of is just sad like it's like inherently sad and he really like expresses that in a, in a really beautiful um 
um, a really beautiful way. Yeah. I mean, gosh, just talking, this album is so incredibly relevant, like today, yeah. uh, talking World War Three blues, just, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually was going to bring up talking World War Three blues next, like I, that to me is, uh, and that one of the things I love about Bob Dylan so much is his humor. And Talking World War Three Blues is the song where it's about the paranoia and the concern of real war that is happening. A nuclear war, uh, you know, Vietnam's happening. It's like, like war is right there in 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 their lives, in our lives. But he's like, he writes this song about the fear of it. But then there's so much like humor in this song that uh, I just I just find it just incredible. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. There's that part in this song that's one of my favorite Dylan parts where he goes, uh, he, you know, he goes, um, half the people can be part right all, all the time, time, and some of the so people, people can, can be, be all, all right part, part of the time, time but, but all, all the people, people can't be, be all right all the time. I think Abraham, Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln said that. <laughs> no, I'll let you be in my dreams. I can be in yours. I said that. <laughs> oh, that was definitely, so all, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He played that. I watched footage of him playing that, and he just like has a smirk, being like, "Yeah, I, I know that. it's a good line." <laughs> I said that. <laughs> this is so good. Um, yeah, for sure. <sighs> um, I mean, then there's yeah, like "Hard Rain's Gonna Fall," "Don't Think Twice," "It's All Right." Like these are just great songs. Gosh, "Don't Think Twice" is all right. It's so good too. Yeah, this album is so good. I really, really, it really could have been my number one. Well, you know, again, Hard Rain's going to fall you, you know, with nuclear war, you, um, uh, you know, we've, we've been lucky for 50 years or so oh, since uh, Hiroshima. Um, America still is the only country that has ever used nuclear weapons. But, um, with uh, nowadays, with with the possibility of nuclear war, uh, get people are talking about it more on the media. You would think that <clears throat> this song somehow can be out there, and and that's what I, I think. That's one of my points between things being personal. Hard rains are going to be full, and nowadays, I mean, the songs that won the Grammys. Any of those songs talking about nuclear war? You know, did they have any relevance? Were they personal? Were they were they just ah, let's dance to this shit? Mm. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where I mean, like I mean, that's like, that's the thing about like uh, Bob Dylan, right? He's like the he's like the folk singer of a generation. Like, I mean, I would I I would always make the argument that the Grammys don't mean anything. Like, who cares about the Grammys? <laughs> but. Um, I mean, I definitely think there are, you know, bands and artists that are making music now that are, that's extremely personal, but there aren't, I would, I agree that there aren't many bands and artists making anti-war songs, which uh, you'd think would be more prevalent, um, especially, especially now. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially now. Like, I know Radiohead writes a lot of songs about, like, climate change and stuff like that. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, one, one, one nuclear war 
uh, would dramatically impact climate change. The climate would change uh, for the negative for the <laughs> for a zillion years. Fair yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah. So, so more bands should uh, write albums like the Free Will and Bob Dylan. <laughs> yeah. Was this this was our number two? All three of us had a free will at number two. Okay. So I think that means all three of us have different number ones. So, um, so Shen, what is your number one? Ooh, I'm excited. <laughs> my number one. And I feel very good about it and confident. My number one is Highway 61 Revisited. Highway 61. Okay, Highway 61 Classic. Uh, Highway 61 came out in 1965. It was his sixth album. Um, it, the genres, according to Wikipedia, are folk rock, blues rock, and rock and roll. Some other rock albums that came out in 65 were Rubber Soul by the Beatles, My Generation by The Who, Out of Our Heads by The Rolling Stones, The Kink Controversy by The Kinks, uh, Begin Here by The Zombies. You know, just great albums around 65. Rock and roll seemed to be really taken off. Uh, the singles on this album were Like a Rolling Stone, From a Buick 6, Highway 61 Revisited, and Queen James Approximately. And yeah, you know, I mean, this, this album is undoubtedly a classic. Uh, it was ranked number four on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time when they put that out a few years back. So, um, Where was this on your guys' rankings? I had it at number four, but let me tell you, there are nine songs on this album. Every time we do a podcast, I, I make like a mix as we're going. Um, I put every song on this album on my mix. That's what happened to me too. I mean, I did this for like actually quite a few of of his albums. Like there was like at least two or three of these albums that I was like, all right, the whole, whole album on yeah. my playlist. Yeah. 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 But this one for sure. I I love this. But where? So where was it on your list, Frank? Highway 61 yeah. was number four. Oh, right. Okay. Same as Nick, I guess. Well, for me, this one is, like, very personal for me because um, I remember being, like, a kid. Like, I mean, like, before I could drive, uh, I just, I remember being, like, I should get into Bob Dylan. Like, I didn't grow up in a household that was, like, listening to a lot of Dylan. Um. And I was like, I should really be exploring Bob Dylan. And so I bought this album just like kind of on a whim. I just found it at Fred Meyer or whatever and bought it. So this is like kind of this my is, intro to Bob Dylan. This was you taking a stab at Dylan. Yeah. Which was like, which went okay well, <laughs> at the time. It was, it was like, okay. But I, I feel. Rolling Stone, like a Rolling Stone, was that like a number one hit, hit at that point? I mean. On the. Uh, I didn't know. I don't think I knew it. No, I didn't. I didn't know that. It just wasn't one of the songs. In I just like, yeah. My, I mean, my parents are more like, you know, they're like growing up in the seventies. So they're, we listened to a lot more seventies rock just growing up. And like, we did have one Bob Dylan album, but it was, uh, Bob Dylan and the band after the flood, the live album. Um, and I do remember like putting that on, which this is just a tangent, but I remember being a kid, like learning to use the record player and like being able to pick out that vi vinyl and putting it on the record player. And then like later, it took me so long to be like, 
because he plays all his live songs he plays like different versions of them and that was so confusing to me listening to this live album and then going back and listening to other studio albums and then being like wait that was the song okay because even now like dylan will play uh songs differently live like he'll play them depending on what current style he's he's going through right it was very it took me like years to like figure this out yeah. <laughs> with that so that so that really is like the first Dylan album I listened to was that live album but like this one I bought on cd for myself and I it was um I just like I don't know it I was probably like 14 or something when I bought it and I just love it I don't know like a rolling stone is like I've heard the song a million times it's still like awesome every time it comes on i'm i'm psyched about it yeah and um, we had our warm-up questions and uh, for best single i had like rolling stone for best opener honestly i had best opener subterranean homesick blues oh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, for uh sure. for best single i had highway 61 i mean that song is just it's just so powerful like to me it's like it's so like it's so universal like it's like it's like being lost or being accusatory of other people or like there's so many different ways to interpret that song. It's one of those songs where you like listen to the lyrics and you could pick out something different each time. But then the the like, how does it feel like just like doesn't get old. You know, that's so good. Yeah, this is a great album. <laughs> I like wanted to bring up that that uh, the electric Dylan controversy. Because I want to talk about the, the set list that he played. Okay. Uh, at the Newport Folk Festival in 65? Yeah, in 65. Um, because a lot of a lot of these songs are, are in there, and it, it's a pretty funny story, I think. So um, So he comes out and he plays uh, Maggie's Farm, which, you know, we haven't yet talked about. And then he, he continues into Like a Rolling Stone. So he's playing these electric songs first off. Which to me is just is just a funny story anyway. Like coming out at a folk festival with electric guitar and saying, "I ain't gonna work on Maggie's farm no more," um, you know, like and then like Rolling Stone. You used to laugh about <laughs> everyone that was hanging out, and then he sings, uh, "It takes a lot to laugh. It takes a train to cry." And then he he left. He leaves the stage and he comes back and plays two acoustic songs it's all over now baby blue and mr tambourine man which wow. just is that like a that's a story in itself like that's what i love about dylan is we're looking at these like nine albums or whatever and these nine albums have their own arc and like everything he does is like telling a story <laughs> uh whether yeah. intentionally or not i don't know yeah that's a good way of putting it shannon but I love Ballad of a Thin Man a lot and Queen Jane Approximately. Those were like my first favorite Dylan songs. And Ballad of a Thin Man is the angriest piano you've ever heard. Dun, 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 dun. Just like, yeah. man, that is the angriest piano of all time. And it's so like accusatory of the world and all of these different people. And there's, again, that's another one where it's just like poetic in a really abstract way. Yeah. But it's like, like, who is he mad at? And you could interpret that in a lot of different ways. But, um, you know, is he is he mad at the people who want him to be the protest singer or is he mad at, uh, you know, someone else in the world? You know, like what what who who is Mr. Jones in in that song? And I mean, like, like I know, like the Black Panthers uh, had their own interpretation of that song and they they were interpreting it their own way. You know, there's a lot of different uh, takes on how angry that song is and. 
I mean, that that's another classic. And then, like, Just Like Tom Thumbs Blues is a really great song. And obviously, Desolation Row closes the album. It's, yeah. like, a really... Yeah, that's a great album closure. Yeah. 11 minutes, 20 seconds. I don't know. Yeah, I love it. I, I think, to me, too, like, I just feel pers- more personally connected to this album. And, but it has, like, a lot of the same, like, production value of Blonde on Blonde. Yeah, I don't know. That's where I'm at. That's why it's my number one. I'm happy with where it came out on my list. Uh, love it. This this vinyl here, I have my name on it, and I remember trading it <laughs> from uh, to my friend Mike Lee. Oh, it has Mike's oh. name crossed out <laughs> on it. Yeah, of course, I think I traded him for a pack of cigarettes. Wow. For, for this album. Wow, shout out Mike Lee. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, going back really quick to um, what you were saying about, uh, I just there's that funny story about um, when he was touring. So right after this album came out, he was touring, and apparently he was doing that acoustic thing for a lot of... Um, not acoustic he would play half the set acoustic half the set electric Mm -hmm. so he was doing that for a lot of the tour and there's that famous uh concert from when he was in england and it was it was actually captured on the bootleg series volume four uh live in 1966 where uh someone yells judas from the crowd someone like screams judas at him and uh he responded i don't believe you you're a liar and then he turned to the band and said, play the next one really fucking loud. You can hear him say that <laughs> on the recording. And uh, and then they play Like a Rolling Stone. And, um, I mean, again, you know, I think that yeah. tells the story too. And, I mean, Dad, do you remember anything out of this time? Like, you were a Dylan th- fan, like, through and through, right? Like, yeah. did you uh, did you like his, his turn to electric or... Uh, do you remember that time period very well? well I, I do remember the time period. and I He's remember, like, I remember yelling, I remember Judas. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm, again, I, I saw different phases of, of Dylan. One being the um, uh, sort of the, the artist in uh, who's setting a tone for the protest movement for either civil rights or for uh, stop the stop the war. So that was number one. Number two was the love songs, and I really liked them. And number three was this sort of fantasy. Uh, what was the word you used before, Nick? Um, surrealism. Music. Yeah, <laughs> surrealism. You know that kind of thing. So, but I do remember being in a an indoor concert in Chicago when the first half of the show was um, just a guitar and. Second half was was the band, and uh, many people got up and left. Uh, not me, um, but it was just sort of people change, uh, music changes, and that's that's the way I saw it. Um, you know, he's a guy who's been changing all the time. I mean, Nashville skyline was so so different than uh, um, you know, John Wesley Harding. It's just different. I mean, because he does that throughout his whole career, right? I mean, yeah. like in the in the eighties, he put out those gospel albums, and um, you know his his most recent songs have been like traditional pop 
covers of like Frank Sinatra yeah. and stuff, you know. Well, he also did a Christmas album. Right, he did that you Christmas know? album, <laughs> and he's a Jewish man, you know. It's like it's I don't know. He can. I he mean, he changed. He, he changed a bit the next time after that electric controversy at Newport. The the next time he came to Newport was um, thirty seven years later, and he was uh, he performed he performed in 2002 wearing a wig and a fake beard allegedly i haven't seen i haven't seen any pictures but that's that's so he came back uh, dressed that... as someone else <laughs> which even tells like the story you know I don't yeah know. that was not on my dvd that <laughs> yeah, i wish it was like this three performances plus 2002 yeah um so yeah uh Highway 61 is another classic. Um, I totally understand it being your number one. It just, honestly, that one was kind of solidified as my number four, but I loved every song on it. So, I mean, that's, yeah, it's just my number one, just from pure coincidence, basically. It was the one that they had at Fred Meyer that, at the yeah. time, that, like, looked cool. <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. I just wanted to have a Bob Dylan CD. Yeah. So I just wanted to note a little personal thing here on just like Tom Thumb's Blues, which is on this album. Yeah. Yes. Um, when we relocated the family from um, New Jersey to uh, uh, Marysville, um, I had been working in New York City right before that. And I put a, um, I, I printed off a line from there that said, I'm going back to New York City. I do believe I've had enough from Tom Thumb's Blues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember that line, but I had that hanging on my wall for years, knowing that we could move out of here if we wanted to. Um, So, just FYI. Well, you didn't end up staying, but... Yeah. Yeah, we ended up staying. So, just... That's another great song. I love that song. So, um... So, Shan, that was your number one. Uh, Dad, what was your number one? My number one is The Times They Are Changing. Okay, cool. Cool. Let's talk about it. Um, Uh, The Times They Are Changing was his third album. Came out in 64 total folk album um yeah like this was another one that was like oh, this is his first album after and the free will and bob dylan that uh had only original compositions um and the album consists consists of mostly stark um sparsely arranged ballads concerning issues such as racism poverty and social change um the title track the times they're changing is one of Dylan's most famous songs. Um, many feel that it captures the spirit of social and political upheaval in the 60s. Um, Where was it on your list, Nick? I had this one a bit lower. This was my, like, kind of... Um, I don't know. I had I had this one number seven. I mean, so, this was my five. Yeah, so I had this one a bit lower. Kind of like me and Dad, I guess, like, flip-flopped on this and Blonde on Blonde. But... Um, yeah, Dad, tell me about uh, the times they're changing. Why did you pick it at number one? Well, um, I think like I said before, I think I know every word on every song here. I listened to it the most, perhaps because it was one of the 
uh, earlier ones. But um, when the ship comes in, I love that song. Um, and um, with God on our side, God on our side, somehow that's been coming to my mind more and more since this Ukraine war has started. Absolutely. That, I'm having the same thing happen to me. It's like uh, being my dream and you can be in yours. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I don't know why that is. You know, are we feeling that God is on our side at, at this particular point? Uh, is is God on the side of the Ukrainians? Um, I, I, I don't know, but it's like, uh, it's out there. Is there a, a right side and a wrong side? What about, you know, we never talk about the Russian soldiers. Uh, when we do, it happens to be an atro atrocity that uh, somebody shot a guy on a bicycle. But um, I don't know. I, I, I wonder about that. I worry about the concept, and that I guess that's why uh, this uh, album is up there for me as... As number one, there's a quote. There's a there's a whole verse here about Russian. Well, because it's going I've through all the different. I've the Russians throughout my whole life. I've I've. If another war comes, it's I've them we, must, we fight. must fight. To hate them and fear and them, them, to run and to hide, hide, and accept it all bravely with God on my side. Well, because yeah. it's going through the wars, right? And then it's like First World War, Second World War, and then it's like if another war comes, and the, that that to me is like oh. Yeah. I mean, obviously, it was a it was a thing back then, but also on that note, I've been thinking a lot about uh, only a pawn in their game, right? With the Russian soldiers, you know, like these young guys, yeah, that are only a pawn in in uh... right, and they're not even choosing; they just get oh, you're going to the war, you're in the army now. So, um, the the last song on here, Restless Farewell, I wanted to, again, comment on this personally. Um, in the 60s, you had to, um, you had to almost, you, you, you had to figure out where you were in life uh, in reference to the army, because otherwise you would be drafted. And um, so I decided I wasn't going to be drafted, and I was in the War Resistance League. And um, when I wrote up a position paper on that, on this old typewriter, June 4th, 1968, I quoted here, if the arrow is straight, and the point is slick. It can pierce through dust no matter how thick. And that's from the song Restless Farewell. So, I mean, you've told me about this in the past, about how, like, to to not be drafted, you had to prove to the U.S. government that you were a conscientious objector and that it was part of your, like, maybe not religious beliefs, but it was about your core beliefs to be anti-war. Yes. So, in, so you had to write an essay, right, uh, and send it to the government to have them so that you'd be draft exempt. Yeah, I, it, it was an essay, or uh, I called it at that point in my life a state of conscience, 
and um, you know, so you sent it to the the government draft board, which is the local people. There were three old white men on the draft board, and they would decide whether you, uh, you know, where you were going to be in reference to all of this. Um, so I happened to go through my papers and find my statement here, which I haven't really ever shared with anyone. But I just, again, getting back to the concept of, of uh, uh, Dylan's personal, and all these albums are personal. And if the arrow is straight and the point is slick, it can pierce through dust no matter how thick. Uh, to me, that was an important statement. Um, and uh, we still have a lot of dust. Uh, and sometimes our arrow is not straight. Um, sometimes the point is not slick. Um, but I think it's important to, uh, to somehow get there. And Dylan helped me um, figure it out or get there or, or be, uh, be able to look at my life through his words and his poetry. Yeah. So that's really good. That's 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 really that's really good. Yeah. yeah. So so that's why this is my number one. Um, uh, like I say, each each song in here is really important. Only the pioneer game, and uh, when the ship comes in. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to like bring it down at all. Just my my the reason I have it lower is just it is missing that sort of. Uh, humor that i really like from dylan you know i don't mean to like you know I, well I this guess. is the one where he's like you know yeah he's looking i would say this is his most serious weather. album of all the ones that we've listened to during the 60s you know every other album has like at least one song where he's like goofing around or he's got like some sort of like silliness to him and this one it's like yeah it's like every song is just so so tight and angry and uh poignant and um specific and um, which kind of makes sense now it's like when you're looking at it and and realizing like okay that's that's kind of the peak of that and then it's like next he's going another side of bob dylan he's like all right i've <laughs> maybe he's like i've yeah. spent that time being being uh i don't know that angry or yeah like he wrote his because i mean again dylan's someone who's gonna be changing evolving so he wrote his like this is his most poignant protest album. This is his like protest album underlined, underlined, um, and yeah, and it's kind of perfect in that way. Yeah, wouldn't it be amazing if he like re-released or redid or came up with new songs that were just as important now in reference to where we are in the world? Um, I think that'd be so good. Yeah, or if like, or if you know, now could be a good time for um, some like modern artists to band together and to cover some of these songs. Cover, you know, like yeah. because the songs themselves are like still like. I mean, I feel like the protest music is like timeless. It's like there's always going to yeah. be these issues that we can apply these these uh, I don't know morals to. And people still do cover Dylan. I mean, I, I actually made a. I made a playlist on Spotify of uh, different artists doing Dylan and stuff, and like Eddie Vedder did a really good cover of Masters of War, but oh yeah, that like, sounds good. But I, I mean, I feel like it could like 
I don't know. I feel like if 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 it were like publicized more, like someone could really like. Yeah, I'm with like, you, Frank. Where it's like we need we need the mu- we need music. We need like some cultural piece to like to like unite us in um in stopping this war. <laughs> Yeah, we need something. Well, that's my number one. Okay, so my number one is bringing it all back home. So, uh, set the table for bringing it all back home. Um, that was his fifth album, came out in 1965. The genres, uh, according to Wikipedia, were folk rock, folk, and blues. Um... The singles on this album were Subterranean Homesick Blues, She Belongs to Me, Maggie's Farm, On the Road Again, and Gates of Eden. Yeah, um, but let me comment here, Nick. Um, this album, Bring It All Back Home, has the number one song in here, Love Minus Zero, No Limit. Yeah. Which is important to Nick and Shannon because this was the song that Shannon walked down the aisle to when these two uh, folks got married. And that was uh, that was absolutely terrific, and it was love minus zero, no limit. Um, I mean, I think that is my favorite for, love thanks song. Thanks for shouting that out. <laughs> I, I love that. that out to Shannon. I love that. Um, it was great, sung, sung by a friend of friend of ours, Ashley Toulson. Yeah, I mean that song to me is just such a great love song. It's just. My love, she speaks like silence, without ideals or violence. She doesn't have to say she's faithful, yet she's true like ice, like fire. It just, it's so, so nice. It just, really, really being in love. I think you put this song on like an early mix for me too. Probably. So. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, there's other great songs on it too. Like this, this album to me is really special because it, you know, we mentioned earlier that he in, in that time period was playing half acoustic, half electric at his shows. And that's how this album is set up. Half, half of it is electric and half of it is acoustic. And I personally think that this has like the best of both worlds. Um, Subterranean Homesick Blues is the opener and it's my favorite opening track for him. Um, other than Highway 61, and it just it comes on so strong and it sets the sets the mood immediately and it, it is so um it's just so crazy like this is one of those this is one of those songs that has the lyrics that are like ridiculous and they're all over the place but they're also like funny but they're also saying something important i mean to me bringing all back home is very much a anti-capitalist album and that song is has a lot of anti-capitalist imagery in it and um you know just nowadays with like i just feel like with like you know the anti-work movement and stuff it just feels like it just feels like we need more like anti-capitalist sort of uh sort of songs you know i mean obviously we've been talking about how we need more anti-war songs but i kind of feel like anti-capitalist songs go right along with that you can't help but wonder why the military industrial complex is what it is and why wars wars are what they are and people join the military because in the military will pay for their college you know uh so it's mostly poor people that are joining the military you know so they can they can work and stuff and it just feels like you know people are done putting their 
just working for the man, you know, uh, I'm going to work my, I'm just going to kill myself to working so hard just so that, so, so I can make someone else rich. You know I mean? That's the whole thing with Maggie's farm, you know, and Maggie's farm is all about like the, the, like the farce that goes along with working for the man, you know, like they're saying that we're a family, but really you're like, you're not doing anything for me. Um, I have a couple of lyrics here for Maggie's farm. <laughs> there we <laughs> just, go. And just pulled up too. Yeah. Um, he hands you a nickel. He hands you a dime. <laughs> he asks you with a grin if you're having a good time. And then he finds you every time you slam the door. Yeah, that one. That one. Yeah. Um, I really like, I ain't going to work for Maggie's ma no more. She talks to all the servants about man and God and law. Everybody says she's the brains behind Pa. She's 68, but she says she's 54. <laughs> you know? And uh, this is also what I'm talking about where, like, I, I'm a sucker for the humor of Dylan, you know? Because, you know, for me, I love satire. I love, like, when there's, like, humor along with seriousness. And that's how a lot of uh, bringing that home back home, bringing it all back home is. Um there's that other song that um is another one of my favorites um bob dylan's 115th dream which is so ridiculous it could be a weird owl song you know (laughs) it's it's that song that's like it's like you know on the Mayflower, and they... Wait, is this the song where he, like, opens, and then it, he's, like, laughing? Yeah. And they yeah. have to, they, like... They have to, like, restart. Let's do it again. Uh, yeah. Let's yeah. start it again. Yeah. And then it's, like, he tells a story about being on the Mayflower, and then, you know, finding land, but then, like, uh, then they get on, on shore, and then they get arrested for carrying harpoons. And then he, like, breaks out of jail, and he's trying to get his friends out, but he can't figure it out, because just there's all this craziness happening, and there's these crooked cops, and there's just, like... everything is just a mess and it's you know it's a weird ridiculous surrealistic song about you know how everything is a mess and it's so funny to me but it's also i don't know it's it's saying something about the the chaotic nature of like the capitalist world that we live in yeah it's pretty wild album yeah so um and then of course of course like you know mr tambourine man's on this album um it's all right ma yeah, it's all right. Mom only bleeding is a great song. Um, yeah, no, I just, I just think it's all over so now, baby blue. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's why I had number one. Definitely could have been, it could have been, you know, in the top three. But I just liked how the song, this song to me incorporated everything I like about Dylan, in like, in different ways. So, that's why I had number one. Cool. So yeah, those cool. that, that was our list. Uh, those were our rankings. Um, should we combine our rankings to make a ultimate ranking list? Yeah, I don't think it'll be too too hard. Um, I mean, so we all had different number one. So I mean, let's I, start back. Let's start from nine with this because we had some good. We had some. Okay. The bottom so, of the list was so like pretty simple. Number nine so. obviously needs to be his self-titled album. Yeah. And I would say. Another side could probably be number eight because two of us had it at number eight. Yeah. Um, and then John Wesley Harding had eight, eight. six, and six. So, so should we just be, put it at seven? That would be number seven. Okay. Then Nashville Skyline was six, five, and five. So maybe that one should be five. And maybe I mean, we should... 
six. This is okay. It is kind of getting yeah. complicated. So I think National Sky should be number six because six, five, and five. Um, I don't know, because in the rest of them, we are all pretty high. I Except like... for Blonde on Blonde, kind of, that's the tricky one with the eight, three, and three. So that could be number f- five. Yeah, Blonde on Blonde, Blonde on Blonde should be number five. So the top three is hard because... Four. I mean, we all had Free Will in a number two, which I think could make it our number one. Whoa. I'm just saying that we all had it at number two. So we either could that, lock it in at number two oh. or we could pick something else to be our number one. Yeah. Frank, where did you have bringing it all back home? Bring it all back home, I had number three. Okay. Which would make it a good number two. Yeah. If we wanted yeah. to go that way. Okay, let's... Dad, what do you think? Do you think you'd be okay with Free Will and being number one, even though we all had it at number two? Uh, Sure. You can also add up the numbers and then divide by three and do it mathematically. No, we like to do it by um, pure intuition. Pure. uh, We like to talk it out. We like feelings. (laughs) We we value feelings. (laughs) Um. So yeah. Okay. So bringing it all back home is number two. And then. Oh, this is complicated. So then it's either Highway 61 at 3 or the times are changing at 3. I feel like it'd have to be Highway 61 because we both, because it was 4 and 4 and times was 7 and 5. Okay. I think we have the list. Okay, so do you want to... uh... Say the album names? Sure. Okay, so at number nine, we have... Bob Dylan. At number eight, we have... Another side of Bob Dylan. (laughs) Our number seven album is... John Wesley Harding. At number six, we have... Nashville Skyline. At number five... Blonde on Blonde. Number four... The Times They Are A-Changin'. At number three... Highway 61 Revisited. Number two... Bringing it all back home. And our number one Bob Dylan album is? Freewheeling Bob Dylan. Great. Cool. Well, um, Dad, thanks for being on our show. Thanks for doing this. You're welcome. It means a lot that you were uh, willing to do this and be part of our little project here. Um, so, yeah. so I'm feeling excited to move right into 70s Dylan. Come <laughs> on, let's go. Yeah, we got blood on the tracks on there, and desire, and self portrait. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we're not doing seventy two on next for our episode. I don't know where our next episode will be, but you know, if uh, if you're listening, don't forget to uh, like and subscribe to our show and uh, check us out on Instagram. But um, anyway, I just want to say, take care of yourself and uh, those around you, and um, start writing protest music. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.